0: Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney-turned-mediator Lisa Kosky for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now, your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome, listeners. I'm Lisa Kosky, your host, and I am really excited to have attorney Elizabeth Nyan's with me today. And this is going to be really fun for me because I don't know Elizabeth that well. And I love getting to know people and I take notes and I learn so much during these conversations. But Elizabeth is an estate planning attorney. And I know you're probably thinking, why is that on doing divorce different? But I really think we're kind of dealing with life transitions and they're related. And I have a lot of clients who asked me, what do I need to do after divorce? So I'm excited to have Elizabeth here. She's going to start out in a second and she's going to tell us kind of her story as to how she chose this area of law and became an estate planning attorney. And then I'm hoping that after we talk about what needs to be done after divorce, we can drop in a little bit to talk about careers and help a lot of people who are going through divorce or starting a new career. And that's something that Elizabeth also does. And then at the very end, because all of you know, I'm doing this from my barn and I have all my animals. I want to talk a little bit about pet planning. Elizabeth, honestly, I am so thankful that you are here and we have a mutual friend and I just feel blessed to have you. And honestly, I just had clients who were asking me about their estate plan and what they need to do, I'm so thankful that I'm going to be able to share this information. So Elizabeth, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, Lisa. I appreciate it.
0: Can you start out with your story as to what made you decide to be, well, one, an attorney and then really hone in on the estate planning aspect?
1: Sure. Actually, I worked in corporate America for 13 years I majored in marketing in college and had sales and marketing jobs in the corporate world. I it got to the point where I just wanted to do something that was more rewarding and had a friend who had a legal issue at one point. And I kind of helped her check out various attorneys to assist her with their problem. And I had always kind of thought about going to law school, but started thinking about it more seriously once I started meeting with all these attorneys with her. And then I started interviewing attorneys that I know and other people know to say, hey, you know, tell me what you love about what you do, because I wanted to make sure You know, if I'm going to go back to school at age 35, that this is really what I want to do. I talked to a lot of attorneys and decided, yes, I think I'm going to love this and be passionate about it. I actually thought initially I was going to do child advocacy. I'm very passionate about children being represented and looked after given that they're so vulnerable feel the same way about pets, mm-hmm. but once I got into law school, I got exposed to that. It's really so hard to separate yourself emotionally. So I decided to focus on family law and estate planning. And I love the people fight of law, which those two areas are very people. You're interacting with people all the time. And so, yeah, I graduated law school. You know, I went to law school at 35 and then for three years went full time. Luckily, I have a husband that supported me in doing so and opened my own law firm right away. It was really great. I had already built up a great connection with a lot of other attorneys and mentors. So I had a great network and I stopped doing the family law back in 18, but I did do it for about four years. Really enjoyed helping people during you know a difficult time in their life, but decided to focus primarily on estate planning in 2018. That's our specialty these days. We help people plan for incapacity or death and make sure that they're taken care of.
0: It's always eye-opening. And I said I didn't know you, and now I get to know you. And Elizabeth, we have a lot in common. I also went back to law school after having a career kind of in marketing and sales. And I actually had two kiddos. My husband did help me through that as well. And this is interesting. When I fresh out of law school, I opened my own practice, and it was in estates and elder law. And I will say I love doing estate and elder law mediations along with the divorce mediations, to work with families and family planning and helping them move forward and be able to make the decisions so that someone else isn't making them for them. Mm-hmm. I think that is so important. So we're going to a lot in common. And I love that. I love to meet you. It's awesome. So this is really good because you have that family law background. You kind of understand where people are after a divorce. And You know, it's so scary and stressful and we try to make it not so much that way as we do mediations together. But as they're moving forward, I always want to hand them, you know, don't forget about your estate plan and maybe some of them don't have them. What would be some tips that you could give our listeners about what they need to do after the divorce?
1: Sure. I know it's really overwhelming and that they've just come out of the tough stage in their life and you're still a little cloudy about where things are going. One of the easiest and quickest things you can do is update your beneficiary designations on your life insurance, your retirement accounts, brokerage, you know, any type of account you have, a lot of them can be beneficiary designated. That's a quick thing you can do fairly fast. You just contact Fidelity or wherever that account is. You can usually do the change online or potentially send in a form. So that's something quick.
0: I need to ask you a question. Is it true that sometimes the beneficiary will change due to the divorce? Mm -hmm. A lot of people want to name, still name that spouse, that ex-spouse because of the kids involved. Sometimes do they automatically change so you need to make sure that person remains?
1: Yes. Thankfully, in Minnesota, for the most part, in most circumstances... If you get divorced and let's say you have your husband, Bill, still primary beneficiary, he's automatically revoked and kicked off as your beneficiary, even if you do nothing. Because the state recognizes for the most part, most people are going to want to change that. But if you don't have a backup, a secondary after Bill, once he's kicked off the list of potential people to inherit, sometimes default rules do come into play and they may not meet what you want to accomplish for your goals. You know, the important thing, of course, as an attorney, I would say consult with an attorney who specializes in. Yeah. talk about what you actually want. Like, things are going to look very different to you after your divorce. And let's make sure that your plan is going to accomplish your goals. And there's lots of different ways to do that.
0: Okay. So we talked about the beneficiaries. And then there's some people that have their estate plans in place. For those people, you're saying contact like you or another estate planning attorney to just go over the plan, and then do you just kind of start from scratch and do one for each person separately, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, so when people get divorced, we rarely would represent both rights that got divorced. But yeah, when someone comes in, normally we are starting from scratch because it's usually such a significant change that I would recommend starting with a completely new document. There's other benefits in case there's problems down the road, it's best to start from scratch. Also, they may not have the right plan for them in place to begin with. You know, a lot of people just don't know about Syria If they've done DIY documents or something like that, what they have in place, even if they left, it may not even be valid or relevant to their circumstances. Right.
0: For those couples who have procrastinated and not done a will yet, and they were kicking themselves about it, well, after the divorce, you need to start from scratch anyway. You know, and I'm just assuming to just, you probably have an information form where they get you information and kind of where they're wanting things to go mm-hmm. forward that way.
1: Yeah, we have a discussion about several things. You know, we talk about there's some people you have to choose the serving roles you're playing, like an executor. That's a common role. And so I call it you have money and administration people. Those are people that you yeah. trust your money and would manage it for you if you were incapacitated or if you'd passed. And then we have healthcare people, and these might be different people. Healthcare agents are people you trust to make healthcare decisions. They may be bad with money, but maybe you want to choose them to make those decisions. I think the biggest thing for people once they've gotten divorced that I get asked a lot is, okay, well, if I were to pass away while my children are minors, can I choose a guardian? As you know, kind of a sticky situation if there's still another legal parent Mm -hmm. alive and deemed fit and they haven't lost their parental rights, your ex-spouse in that case, of course, is going to take precedence over anybody else. But still important for you to update your guardians because it's possible that something could happen to your ex as well. And if you were both you know, not available for the deceased, you would want to. I'm
0: so glad you brought this up because there actually is a case where one of the parents passed away and they shared parenting time and the grandparents were very involved with the deceased parents' children. And they're wanting to step in and have the same rights as their son did as a father Elizabeth, how does that work?
1: Yeah, I have not looked at that in a while, that side. But last time I looked at that, you know, there's, grand, as they call it, grandparent rights, or right. Right, custody rights. Last time I took a look at this, unless something has changed, you know, the court will consider that it's pretty rare they're going to grant anything to grandparents or third party unless those individuals have been very involved in the child's life or had lived with them for a period of time. I don't have the statute in front of me, but there's only
0: certain... I threw that one at it, you.
1: I said, <laughs> Very rare occasions the court will actually do that. Yes, there are some times they will grant some sort of parenting time or something, but that is extremely, extremely rare. So unfortunately, in a lot of cases, the remaining parent is going to have a lot of the control over who their kids interact with.
0: Right, which is hard when they don't get along. But yeah. the good news in this situation is that the surviving parent does want the kids to be involved with the grandparents. So I think that she will set up some parenting time, but not legally obligated to, it sounds like. Right. That is correct. All right. That's interesting and took me off my course. Is there (laughs) anything else that people need to be thinking of when they're done with their divorce and moving forward with their estate plan? Anything additional?
1: Sure. I mean, a lot of it, and this is true for any of our clients, but, you know, especially if you're getting divorced and you have young children or even if just young adult, thinking about if something were to happen to you earlier than you thought, like, how do you want your money to be managed? This might be passing to your children now. They might be 10 years old. We're not going to give a 10-year-old $100,000, right? Thinking about, gosh, if something were to happen, who would manage their money for them until they were an appropriate age? And then think about, well, what is that appropriate age, you know? You don't want to give $10,000, much less a hundred or half a million dollars to an 18-year-old, which is kind of the default would be 18 or 21. And so a lot of parents go, whoa, I don't really want to do that. Let's not give them too much money too early before they can manage it. So that's also something to think about as well.
0: So Elizabeth, that sounds like most of the people coming to you after a divorce are probably setting up some kind of a trust yes, for their children, and then they'll have someone in charge maybe an aunt and uncle. Some of my people work together so well they want the other parent Mm to be one in charge. And then I've seen, and maybe this has changed, that they'll maybe give them a drip at 18 for college and then another drip later on and then maybe more of the money
1: at perhaps 35 years of age or so. Yeah, pretty common. Do like half at 25, half at 30. You know, the reality is even before 25, they can get some access, but we have a gatekeeper there to make sure that it's going for the right things. And the other thing to point out, is, you know, if it's a divorce and the parents don't have a good relationship, we might want to specifically state in the documents in absolutely no circumstances should my ex, we would put their name. Ex sounds yeah. To my ex, <laughs> self, you know, Don Doe. I mean, right ever be in charge of my children's money, basically. And so I've done that quite a few times where we're like, we want to make sure under no circumstances will this person ever be appointed, even if somebody else thought it was a good idea.
0: I like that. And that doesn't happen often when I'm working together with media clients. But I mean, there are some parents who have horrible addictions and they're clean right now. They might say, don't ever let me have that money. I don't want it just in case something does happen and I fall back. into my abusive behavior and so then that is an option for them I mean there's a lot moving forward that people need to do especially with kids I mean with this estate planning
1: yeah and even if you have adult children there's a lot of things to consider Mm -hmm. there are kids that have addiction issues or you may not like their spouse and want to make sure it doesn't end up in their hands there's all sorts of things we can do to plan ahead for those things as well
0: That is very thought-provoking, and I'm so glad to have you here because it's really making me think a lot about these things. Can we move on a little bit to the careers? And I have to tell you, I looked, I searched your website, and I looked at a blog, and you had, I think it was a kickboxing Mm -hmm. club on. I think you had helped a new business, perhaps done an LLC. And I just am thinking, I mean, I want my clients to feel like they have a new life beyond divorce. So that's related. But also there are people who want to take something that they've kind of been doing on the side and they need a little bit more income and they want to make it into a business. And I just have to say this quote, and it was your boxing club. You asked for advice from the owners and they said, go for it. Change scares people, but it is always necessary and keeps others engaged and excited. I mean, it's necessary, they were saying, and not that we often see divorce as an exciting time, but we can change the story of divorce and change it to something that is expanding your horizons. So for those people who may be interested in starting a new business, and I know I didn't like tell you I was going to talk about okay. that, <laughs> I don't know if you're prepared,
1: but if you could just touch on that a little bit for those listeners... Yeah, and kind of like you, Lisa, actually, I was a qualified mediator as well. So part of what I love, um, I really love trying to empower people to chase after what they want in of life and know that they can have it. It doesn't mean you're not going to work for it, but I mean, I, I agree with you. I think divorce is an opportunity. To, it kind of forces you to reevaluate your life and what's important to you and why you're doing what you're doing. So, yeah, we do work with a lot of business owners. And part of the way I do with anybody that comes to the door, even if they already have a business, is to make sure they did it properly. A lot of people think, hey, I filed with the Secretary of State, I have an LLC. And I'm like, well, that's not quite. You need to do a few more steps. But, yeah, we're here to help and empower people. We have lots of connections with people like yourself I and mean, other professionals. If they're looking to change careers or other things like that, we do everything we can to share our resources as well to say, hey, you might want to talk to this person they have great resources for what you want to do. And and if we can connect people, I am a big connector. I really enjoy connecting people with, you know, others that might be able to inspire them or help them along the way. I love that. And why would it be important for someone to set up
0: like an LLC?
1: Sure. You know, a lot of people just start a business. They're not really thinking about legal stuff because they're not attorneys. Mm -hmm. They just want to make some money and doing whatever they do. The important thing is if you don't separate your business from your personal assets, if something were to happen and you were to get sued for whatever reason, it could be an accidental situation where you were liable or a creditor you owed money to, if you don't have that clear separation legally between your business and personal assets, they can go after everything you want. They call it limited liability corporation because you have limited liability. So as a 9th law, if I get sued as an example, my creditor, whoever I owed money to, if they win something and they get a judgment and they're trying to collect money from me, they can't go after my house or my retirement or you know they can't go after anything that's personal to me.
0: Right, so yeah. important for Very the businesses important. that may not have thought of that. Yeah. So springing people forward, giving them hope, using divorce as an opportunity, all good things. And okay, so I have to, because the animal lover that I am, I have to get into the pet planning. And I will say more often than not, there is a pet clause in the divorce decrees that I draft with couples. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, holy Toledo's, I've got horses and dogs and cats and chickens. I don't know if people want them or not, <laughs> but there needs to be
1: a plan in place. So can you touch on that just a little bit? Sure, I actually had a client recently who has a hobby farm. And so she's having a different person be in charge of livestock versus her domestic pets to live in the house we can plan for who the caretakers are going to be. In addition, we can say, hey, and if they don't want to be the caretaker, we want them to find an appropriate home. They don't want their pets going to a kill shelter, right? I mean, they're like family. And then we can set aside a certain amount of money to pay for the care. So let's say... That's what I was going to ask, yeah. Which is important. So if you can take care of these 20 horses, that's asking a lot of me financially. So we can nice. actually decide a pet trust where those funds are to be used for the care of the pets. So that includes vet visits, boarding, finding a home. You know, there are fees involved. There travel expenses of dropping the dog off at, you know, your aunt's house or whatever it might be. I have pets as well. My mom worked at a vet growing up. We had lots of animals. So mm, so love fun. animals. I totally get it. And I have dogs myself. I have one dog now. But, but yeah, so we planned for that. And I had a lady who had a parrot and they lived to be like 100 years old. I know. It was crazy. Yeah, we deal with those types of things all the time.
0: So good to know. And, you know, even you think about elderly people, you know, maybe like my parents who would love to have a dog, but they're feeling like, well, the dog may outlive me. But for them to know that they can have a plan in place and even support it so it's not a burden and they can pick who it would go to would probably ease the mind of people, you know, going through that. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before the saddle up segment and this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan you will have a piece of your divorce done. If you wanna work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses and sign up for the Parenting Plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. Elizabeth, I cannot believe how fast this has gone. And I feel like we've kind of covered three different subjects, all somewhat related to divorce. And I'm so thankful that you were here today. And towards the end of my podcast, I always end with a saddle up segment where I ask my guests to give just a tidbit of advice, something that people can do right now to better themselves or move forward better. Could you share something
1: that comes to mind? Yeah, I think, you know, when you feel like your life is out of control, which we often do, we can't control everything. There's always some things we can control. And so we may not be able to predict the future, but we can plan for the future. That is just a big motto of mine. We may not know everything that's going to transpire from here on out, but let's do what we can to plan for the possibilities.
0: And it just makes you feel relief. The planning brings relief. And I love that that's what we want for people. So Elizabeth, we're going to have your information in the show notes. How can people get in touch with you if they need you after a divorce or just for estate planning or business needs?
1: Sure. We, our website is nineslaw.com. I'm sure you'll have that somewhere. And then our phone number, you can call us. We usually start with a consultation. So how we start finding out what people need or what they want. And so they can call us at 651-478-8999. We also have a contact form on our website if they want to complete that to kind of indicate what they're looking for. Sure. But that's how they can get a hold of us.
0: Wonderful. Elizabeth, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and working with me and sharing all your thoughtful information with my listeners. So thank you so much.
1: And thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Lisa. It's been great. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.